hey, Heritage, how you doing? Doing okay? Hey, I want to welcome everybody across our network, whether you're in Bettendorf or Kiwani, or you're checking us out online, and of course, those of you who are plugged in here at Rock Island, I want to welcome you and just thank you for leaning in to moments of worship. I feel like the Lord has already met with us in some really great ways, and I'm just continuing to be expectant that God has some things still in mind for us as we journey with him in the next few moments. Now, just in case we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Josh Howard. I get to serve as one of the pastors here uh, on staff at Heritage. I've been on staff for about three and a half years and I absolutely love the women and men that I get to serve with on a daily basis. And I love being able to journey with each of you, love this church and love what we get to pursue together. So it really is, it's an honor. I consider it to be an honor anytime I get to share and, uh, and I don't, uh, no different uh, this weekend. I, I'm so excited to be here. Now, uh, before we do anything, I probably just to acknowledge it is Super Bowl weekend. Right, and, uh, and so would you do me a favor and just humor me for a second and, and just participate with me in a Super Bowl poll. I know, very original uh, title there. I'm gonna have seven statements. I'm gonna put them up on the screen here. Seven statements, and I want you to just clap or make some noise if any of these statements apply to you. I think there's something for everyone here. And if there's more than one statement that you can say yes to, go ahead and clap for all of, all of the ones that apply to you. You'll get what I mean in a second here, but here we go. Here's the very first statement. I am cheering for the San Francisco 49ers. Anybody in the room doing that? Got a couple? Yeah. It's been pretty stark the last, uh, all three, all three services. All right. I'm cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs. There we go. I'm with you. I don't care who wins. I just want to see a better game than last year's Super Bowl. Yeah, that applies to me. I'm just happy I don't have to watch the New England Patriots. Yep, that has been the unifying factor, all three services. Here we go. I don't care about the game. I am only in it for the commercials, the chips, and the halftime show. Some of you guys, you good? Okay. Game? What game? I'm not watching football this weekend. There's a, there we go. All right, and then last but not least, here we go. I'm celebrating that this weekend is the end of football season, finally, and now we can count down to baseball season. Yeah. Oh. What? What is... What is going on? Oh, there we go. Okay, there we go. There we go. That's, I think, <laughs> yes, yes. And I also got that reaction every time too. Very good. All right, so I've offended Cub fans, Patriot fans, football fans. Let's stop right there and let's sort of pivot, somehow pivot, because we do have more important things to talk about. We are concluding a series that we've been a part of for the last three weeks called Hope in the Dark. And I don't know about you, but the, the first two teaching moments in this series have been so meaningful to me. In fact, two weeks ago, Pastor Beth launched us off into the series, and she launched us by, by dropping this statement upon us. She said, we are a people of hope. And that statement has just been sort of bouncing around my soul. I've been clinging to it because it, it's so true. But then last week, Pastor Jeremiah added a little bit to the statement, we're a people of hope. Why? Because Jesus is alive and Jesus is king. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, because Jesus walked out of that tomb, we have access to assurance that Jesus has won the day. He's won the victory and he's coming back at some point to set all things right. And that's extraordinary truth. Now, as extraordinary as that is, I gotta be honest with you that at least in terms of my own faith journey, one of the things that I have a hard time with, some of the, something that I sometimes lose sight of is sort of the timing 
piece of all of this. See, it's really easy for me, for whatever reason, maybe I'm just wired this way, but it's really easy for me to concentrate on all the future reasons that we have hope. We can, you know, I can long for the day when Jesus will finally come back. I can long for that day when evil's erased and, and sin and death are abolished. We can experience that life eternal in the presence of Jesus, right? It's sort of like that, that old song that, that we sing sometimes, that when we all get to heaven, it's kind of like that, that, whole, that, that whole type of, that, that's the type of hope that we, we can chase and, and, and look for, but that tends to be a, a far off kind of hope. That tends to be down the road. It's a future hope and, and it's great and it's good news and we should cling to it. But, but the question that I wrestle with is, is there hope for me right now? Is there hope for me immediately today? Is there hope that's accessible to me? See, if we're being really, really honest with ourselves, as much as we can kind of look around the world and we can see darkness and we can see evil, those same things, darkness and evil, are just at the edges of our souls and our hearts trying to kind of dig their way in and to gain traction within us, always tempting us to give in. Many of you understand this. So some of you have battled through maybe a toxic responses and close personal relationships for a long time. Maybe some of you have battled through an addiction. Maybe some of you battle through your own kind of bad temper or anger or, or lust or extreme pride or inability to forgive. Whatever it is, we, we all probably battle with certain things in our own soul. And so when we say that we need hope in the dark, it's one thing to acknowledge the hope that will eventually come. It's a whole it's a whole different thing to say, is there a hope for me right now in the midst of what I'm going through? Maybe for some of you, you need hope because your marriage is an un unsteady footing right now and, and you need hope, breathe in for, that, for the healing of that relationship. Maybe some of you are, are walking through a season of loss and, and the sadness and the depression they're just overwhelming you right now. You, you look into the future and you can't see color. You can only see gray or fog. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a situation in your life where you need to let go, but you're having trouble because of maybe anxiety or fear. Is there hope in the midst of very real life situations? And friends, I want you to know that the New Testament answer to that question is a resounding Yes, there is hope and it's immediate hope. And that hope comes from a source that perhaps is even closer than we may realize or remember that, that if you are a believer in Jesus, there is hope literally living in you. Now I want us to check out a passage of scripture, Romans 15, 13, that if it's familiar, it's because you've heard it all throughout the series. It's really been our anchor verse or our anchor prayer. And I wanna read it over us again. And I want you to just listen to the hope that's infused in this prayer from Paul. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot miss that, that last phrase there, that when we receive Jesus into our lives, we actually receive the power and presence of Holy Spirit. 
We worship the great three-in-one God, right? We, we sing a song, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. It's a doctrine that's been passed down since the very beginning of the church that God is one made up of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, there's way more that can be said about the Trinity. There's way more that has been said about the Trinity. But the really immediate implication for us today is that if you believe in Jesus, God the Spirit lives in you. Don't miss the power of this, that God himself lives in you. And if God is the source of hope, as Paul says in this prayer, if God is the source of hope, that means that the source of all hope literally lives within each of you as believers of Jesus. Whoa. I mean, that is incredible. And so New Testament authors, and, and particularly Paul, they, they spend quite a bit of time unpacking what does this actually look like tangibly, practically? What exactly does Holy Spirit do within us? What exactly does Holy Spirit produce or lead us to? And, and this is really where I want to spend the bulk of our time together today is just looking at what are the things that Holy Spirit brings to the table in our lives so that we can not only have hope in the dark, but maybe just maybe be hope in the dark to the people around us. And so to help us do that, we're gonna take a, a quick, it's gonna feel quick, I think, survey of some New Testament passages. We're gonna kind of just go through them. If you're tracking with the notes, that might be the best way to sort of stay, stay on target with where we're going. And to guide and sort of frame our journey, I'm gonna borrow from New Testament scholar, Scott McKnight. I, I read a chapter that he wrote detailing four really important things that Holy Spirit offers to us as we journey. And, and so Holy Spirit's gonna enable and awaken those things in us as we lean further into Holy Spirit's influence. And so if you're using the notes, it's time for the first fill-in, time for the very first type of Holy Spirit enabling thing. And that's to say that uh, Holy Spirit enables us to become better. Holy Spirit enables us to become better. Now, I, I wanna be careful here because this is not, I'm not talking about going from bad to good necessarily. I mean, there might be like pieces of that, but, but I don't want us to start from a place of bad because all of us have been created in the image of God. We were all created good and sin came in and diminished us and sort of covered over those things. So really what I'm talking about here is a journey from going from incomplete or broken to whole, from maybe poisoned to healed, from, from empty or filled or uh, 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 filled to full. You know, it's what Pastor Sean talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where, where there's this journey of, of wholeness and, and of filling that happens. In fact, listen to how Paul articulates this a little bit earlier in Romans. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, this is amazing news for us. But, but there, if we're being honest, I'm not gonna make you raise your hand on this, but there are some of us in this room who we've been battling against the same sin for years and years and years, right? The, the, the monster in the dark that Pastor Jeremiah talked about last week, that the monster in the dark that scares you the most is actually the monster that lurks within you. And so some of us, right, the, the darkness that we're most fearful of, the darkness that we are so exhausted by is the darkness that we just can't seem to get under control, the darkness that we just can't seem to overcome. 
And so there is such a great hope in here, what, what Paul's communicating here, that we have access to a divine power that can defeat any darkness that we may encounter in the depths of our own soul. It reminds me of, of something that theologian Jimmy Dunn said, where he said, the spirit of God transcends or goes beyond, goes higher than. The spirit of God transcends human ability and transforms human inability. Now, I love this, right? The Holy Spirit will always go beyond our capacity, will always go higher than our capacity. Even if I, in my perception, lived my perfect day, uh, the Spirit can still miraculously amplify my actions and attitudes and words and to do things with more ripple than I could ever accomplish on my own capacity. Now, I love that, but then there's the, the follow-up phrase there that praise be to God, Holy Spirit, can begin to transform the parts of my life that are broken and wounded, those places of human inability, and I can be transformed. The Holy Spirit can provide a power to heal and restore those spaces of my life that, that God has graciously implemented a way for us to, to even sort of see this transformation taking place, that there's, there's actually a way for us to have evidence that we are being transformed into Christ-likeness. This is something that the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. And, and we're going to be, you know, Paul's going to come up quite a bit today, so just hang with that. It's all good. But, but here's what he says about this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is able to take those dark and lifeless spaces of our heart maybe of our mind, of our soul, and begin to sow seeds in the midst of those places that begin to form the fullness of spiritual fruit, like love and joy and peace. It's, it's always amazing to me, whether it's in my life or maybe it's in the life of somebody that I'm journeying with, it's always amazing to see new life burst forth from an individual's heart in spaces where it has kind of been dormant for a long time or near death for a long time. And, and, and for this new spiritual fruit, this new life to just burst forth, it's such a hopeful thing to witness. And God does this all the time. Now, I probably ought to mention something before we kind of move on. And that's to, to go back to that initial fill-in statement and to look at one of the words that I used. I used the word enable. And I use that very intentionally, and this is going to apply to all of the statements that we look at today, but, but this implies partnership. This implies that there is God's role in this, and there is our role in this. Now, God supplies 100% of the power. I mean, we have to have that power for transformation to happen. But, but the role that we have in this process is if there's a flow of power, we have to step into it and to receive it that we have to lean into it, that we have to trust and listen and obey, that we need to put ourselves in the very best position to receive all that God has for us. And when we do, Holy Spirit provides the power to smash strongholds in our lives. We're provided strength to change. We're provided strength to be made new, to be transformed into the shape an image of Jesus, and that we just need to step into the flow of Holy Spirit power, and it will enable us to be better. But I would also suggest that Holy Spirit enables us to become bigger. 
Holy Spirit enables us to become bigger. Now, I'm not talking about physically bigger. I, I don't need help with that. You know, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about muscles or anything like that. But, but, but what I mean here is that Holy Spirit connects us to the big cosmic mission of Jesus in this world. That the, the story, uh, that our personal singular stories, when they intermingle with God's big story, that our perspective is widened, our, our viewpoint just goes way beyond. It's opened up to cosmic proportions that, that we become bigger as a result. And what's amazing about this is that Holy Spirit is actually awakening spiritual gifts within us, unique spiritual gifts within us that actually help us contribute to this big, ginormous mission of God in the world, that, that through these spirit gifts, we actually can become participants in this divine stage, people gifted by God with an assignment and a responsibility within the church of God for the mission of God. It's, it's extraordinary. And, and, and I, I love this. And, and again, I want us to listen to the apostle Paul on this. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And listen to this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. I, I love that we are invited to participate in this story, that, that God actually equips us to thrive and to succeed in this story but by giving us these unique gifts, gifts that, that we can call upon as we move forward, as we move God's purposes along, as we kind of help with that in this world. And, and what's so fascinating to me about this is that there are certain gifts, there are certain abilities that are never fully realized in our lives until Holy Spirit awakens them within us, until Holy Spirit activates them within us. We can kind of maybe see clues and we've got natural abilities and we've got things that, that, that we can kind of lean on, but, but there are certain things that will not be fully realized in us, will not actually pop until the Holy Spirit awakens those things in our lives. It's, uh, I, I want us to kind of understand something here. That I, I'm not suggesting that Holy Spirit's going to like turn us all into like supermen and wonder women. That, that's not, you know, I, that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm actually suggesting here is that Holy Spirit is awakening within us our original design. It's, it's a design we were created, we were crafted, we were artisan made by God, and that design was short-circuited by sin, that design was diminished by sin, and, and that we are actually, when Spirit gets a hold of our lives, we're actually being transformed back into the fullest versions of ourselves. This is so exciting to me. And actually, I want to share a statement that I've read recently that I'm processing in my own life that I'm clinging to for hope in my own life, where this is from David Benner. He says, we should never be tempted to think that growth in Christ-likeness reduces our uniqueness, that as we become more and more like Christ, we become more uniquely our own true self. Holy Spirit makes us bigger because we become fuller versions of who we were always created to be. We get to lean into our own unique purpose and calling, but, but I want us to, to understand something about all of this. It's, 
And to, to, to do this, I need us to kind of go back to a statement that Paul made. We just read it, but I want us to read this together. It's short, uh, verse 7 of the, the last passage. But I want us to read this. Bettendorf, get in on this as well. Let's read this together. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We do not become fuller versions of ourselves for ourselves. Holy Spirit makes us fuller versions of ourselves for the benefit of the people around us. When we step into the mission of Jesus, we are asked to be others-focused in a profound way. And remember, those really beautiful pieces of spiritual fruit, read through them all again. And you'll notice all of them are others-focused, even self-control. It's, it's all others-focused. You read through the New Testament, run across any of the gift lists, the spiritual gifts listings that are in the New Testament, they are all others-focused. They are all for the body. It's, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit makes us bigger as our ability to influence and love people around us grows bigger. Holy Spirit will always, always, always seek to amplify our ability to love, will always broaden our ability to invest in others because the central thrust of, of the mission of Jesus has always been and will always be to love people. And that's exciting that we get to be a part of this. So we, we can become better and bigger, but I'd like to suggest also that Holy Spirit enables us to become bolder. Now, I, I love this. this. This really resonates with my heart. Pastor Jeremiah talked about this a little bit last week, uh, uh, talking about courage, and I want to double down a little bit because this is, this is actually extraordinary news to me. I tend to operate more times than not. My natural leaning is to, to go to fear to kind of give in to fear in my life. I, I, I naturally lean into anxiety and worry and self-doubt. And, and so I really have to, I have to internalize some of this and I, I have to process with the Lord in hand a lot of this over. And so I have to go to the scriptures and I have to, to look at promises and, and lives and, and see how this all fleshes out in, in life. And, and so I will often look to the life of Peter as, as an example of hope, uh, as an example of, of how courage can be built into a life. You know, Peter is the one who denied Jesus three times on the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And, and this is the same Peter Then several weeks later, we find him boldly preaching about Jesus in a crowded you know, Jerusalem uh, on the day of Pentecost, on the day when the Spirit finally came. And we have to ask the question, what in the world happened in between where this transformation took place. Well, I, I would center my attention on two moments in Peter's life. First is that, that Peter had a redemptive conversation with Jesus along the beach. And then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in it all, Peter began to surrender his life to the purposes of God, that, that Holy Spirit helped Peter walk through whatever fear he may have been feeling on that day, in that particular moment, and infused him with boldness to lean into what was a high-leverage, high-risk opportunity. And Peter was reminded that day of God's ability to provide courage in the midst of important moments. You fast forward in the book of Acts, just two chapters, and you find a, a group of believers who are meeting together and they are praying together. Uh, and, and one of their prayers is, God, give us great boldness in preaching your word. 
And I want us to see the outcome of that prayer. This is Acts 4.31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now, I love this, but, but listen, I, I doubt that the fear just went away completely in the situation. I mean, a, a meeting place shook. That would make me a little bit nervous. But here is Holy Spirit doing this amazing thing where when we surrender to the Spirit's leading, our fear begins to be minimized and our courage begins to be amplified. Now, I ought to point something out about fear, and that's to say I don't think all fear is bad. I, I think there's actually some healthy types of fear out there. You know, a healthy fear is to be careful around tall ledges. You know, you, you can get hurt. A, a healthy fear is to, you know, you avoid touching something that's super hot. Just, you know, there, there's healthy fears. A healthy fear would say don't angry, you know, don't anger Cub fans before you start teaching. You know, there, the healthy fear would tell you to do certain things. But, but, but there are forms of unhealthy fear, fear that can paralyze us from stepping into fullness, fear that can, that can stop us from stepping into the bigger and better that God has for us in our own journey. Fear can stop us from sacrificing for someone else. Fear can stop us from really leaning in to what God is calling us into. And that is where the presence of Holy Spirit is such a difference maker, that when we surrender to the Spirit's leading, courage and boldness are poured into us so that we can step firmly through our fear and into the things that God is calling us to pursue in him. But there's one final thing that I want us to consider, and you perceptive ones, you're gonna guess it's gonna start with a B, and you're right. Here we go. Here, Holy Spirit enables us to become brighter. Now, I love this. Uh, there, there's a number of ways that we can dig underneath of this, and really where I wanna start is to settle on the idea of wisdom. You know, because, because Holy Spirit access gives us this deep well of divine wisdom that just goes beyond our own capacity. Again, listen to Paul. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. And don't miss what Paul is communicating here. It, it could be easy to sort of slide by this, but Holy Spirit, only Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. And remember, Holy Spirit resides in us. The implication, if you chase the thread to its end, the implication is stunning that through a dependence on the Holy Spirit, we have access to the very thoughts of God. And as Paul writes, we can then begin to understand God's deep secrets and, and the other wonderful things that he has given to us. I like how New Testament scholar Scott McKnight articulates this. The spirit-saturated person, and I love that. We'll get back to that word, that word saturated in a minute. But the spirit-saturated person has spiritual intelligence. By the spirit, that person comprehends the incomprehensible. By the spirit, that person embraces what was previously unembraceable. By the spirit, that person sees into her or his heart to a depth previously obstructed. Now, I love that word picture there, that saturated by the spirit. 
And, and hang with me here because what it reminds me of is, is actually, it reminds me of sweet tea, believe it or not. Track with me, I'll, I'll explain. I don't actually like tea, but I love sweet tea. And my wife would say, you know, you don't like a lot of things until you add sugar. I know I'm not very healthy, but that's okay. But, but, but sweet tea experts would tell you that you can't just add sugar to cold tea and for that to like turn it into sweet tea. It might sweeten it a little bit, but, but really the secret to sweet tea is you have to add heat and then you add the sugar and this is called, this is the technical term, super saturated solution, say that three times fast. And when you drop sugar into hot tea, that sugar is able to dissolve and spread and, and it stays dissolved even as it cools off, even as you drop ice cubes in it, it stays sweetened and, and it's just this beautiful thing. But the key is to add a little heat. And, and I often think of my own life, I think of spirit saturation, and I think it works the same way, that you have to add a little heat. And I think heat can come in a couple of different ways. I think spiritual rhythms add spiritual intensity and spiritual heat in our lives. So when we move into moments of prayer and scripture reading, when we do things like this, like worship together, or maybe moments of fasting or other spiritual disciplines, that adds heat and it makes us more receptive so that spirit can saturate our lives. But I do think that there's sort of an external source of heat that happens, and I don't think anybody like wants this. I don't think anybody looks for this, but I have found that I am most saturated by spirit and that I am most receptive to wisdom from the spirit when a little heat from difficulty or a little heat from a problem is added into my life and, and that God just sort of helps me step through that, that, that great wisdom comes from actually journeying through difficulty, that great wisdom actually comes when we fail and learn from that. That, that wisdom is able to dissolve into my system at a greater rate when a little heat and a little pressure is applied. And I think this is why the scriptures often celebrate. Hey, look, celebrate opportunities of challenge and difficulty in your life because Holy Spirit is able to pour out great wisdom and to saturate us at a much greater rate when that spiritual heat is, is high. And remember, friends, in all of this, that the Spirit doesn't just give us wisdom for our own sake. That when we walk through difficulty, we are actually then positioned down the road to help people that go through that same difficulty. That there is beauty in this. That when we are truly saturated with the Spirit, that we are able to see others in a clear, more compassionate way. And I love this. Because Holy Spirit brightens up our hearts, brightens up our minds, brightens up our souls, and that brightness actually begins to overflow out into the world around us, that we, we actually become translucent, right? The word translucent means to shine through, to, to, uh, to permit the passage of light to shine through. That's what happens, that, that when the light of the Holy Spirit you know, it, it can shine through our lives, that we can be translucent human beings and that, that we can actually then become a source of light and hope in this dark world because we are translucent with God's light and hope and wisdom. It's just such a beautiful 
thing that he will do to us and in us to make us brighter. So friends, we're enabled to become better, bigger, bolder, and brighter as we become more saturated by the spirit. We can live victorious, hope-filled lives, lives full of light in the midst of the dark around us and even in the darkness that always is seeking to gain traction within us. We can live with immediate hope because of the, the power and presence of Holy Spirit. So I wanna begin to sort of wrap things up by just offering you a reflection question. It's in your notes. It's, I don't think it's an easy question. I think it'll take some time to process. But the question is this, where do you need to step more fully into hope? Where do you need to step more fully into hope? Now remember, God is the source of hope. So the question really then shifts to how can we become more saturated with Holy Spirit? How can we learn to lean in greater dependence to the Spirit's power and the Spirit's leading? We do this in a variety of ways, by adding spiritual heat through spiritual discipline, but also knowing that external difficulty can help us lean into the Spirit's leading and to celebrate those moments in our life when spirit is directing us and offering wisdom to us. Now, one of the ways I think that we can add spiritual heat to our lives corporately is through the rhythm of communion, which is something that we're gonna do uh, in a few moments. In fact, I'm gonna ask ushers across the network to go ahead and get in place and, and get ready to serve us in the back. But, but as they kind of get ready to serve us, I wanna just talk a little bit about communion because it, it really is such a special moment. I hope we don't miss out on this, that, that this, the elements of communion remind us of the price Jesus paid to grant us a pathway of freedom from sin and death, but it also serves as this really tangible reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so we are gonna participate today in this hope-building, life-giving, intensity, heat, you know, rising activity together. Because I think it's just, it's a great way to seal the, our time in the series together. Now, as we kind of get closer to communion, I wanna just put us all on the same page, particularly if this is the first time that you've been with us at Heritage, just to kind of know how we operate this moment. But uh, we practice what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member at Heritage and you don't have to be a member of our particular denomination in order to participate. The only thing we ask is that you are a believer in Jesus. And if that describes you, even if this is your first time with us today, we want you to participate fully and freely. I also wanna just give you kind of the reminder uh, that as the trays pass by in a few moments, that when you reach in, you'll wanna make, be sure to get two cups. It's double stack cups, the elements are in those cups. So when you reach in, make sure to, to get both of them. And if you need a gluten-free option, there are uh, gluten-free elements available along the back wall, both at Rock Island and at Bettendorf. And so what we're gonna do is worship teams are gonna come back and they're gonna provide some space by singing a song over us. They're gonna provide us some space to receive the elements of communion. And I would pray that you would just give Holy Spirit space to speak to you and to lead you into all wisdom, to saturate you and, and to just be present with you, that you would take and consume these elements as a wonderful reminder of the hope that is literally living within each of you through power and presence of Holy Spirit. 
But before we get there, I wanna just do one final thing, just as a seal for the entire series. And I love symmetry, and so what I wanna do is I actually wanna go all the way back to the very first passage of today, the very first passage from last week, and the very first passage that Pastor Beth introduced us to, Romans 15, 13. And I've tweaked the language to make it a little bit more of a communal reading. And I wanna invite you here, Rock Island, Bettendorf, to lift your voices together and, and to just read the statement as a proclamation of our hope. Here we go, you ready? We pray that God, the source of hope, will fill us completely with joy and peace because we trust him. Then we will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we are a people of hope because Jesus is king, because Jesus is alive, and because the spirit of that same risen Jesus resides in you and me, offering us power and wisdom and strength and boldness to live lives full of confident hope. Praise be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your leading and direction in our lives. And we thank you as we get ready to consume these elements, these sacred elements of communion, that you would remind us of the freedom that you have won for us, that your death on the cross freed us from the chains of sin and that your victory in walking out of the tomb saves us from the, the chains of death. We have so much to celebrate in you. And so Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just press in, saturate us in this space, in this moment, raise the spiritual temperature and help us to just pursue you as you enable us to become bigger and better and bolder and brighter. May we shine bright for you into this world. May you turn us into people who can actually be hope in the dark. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for your working in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.